Well, good evening, good evening, everybody. Good to see you all here tonight. Good to see you all here tonight. And again, thank you all for your push, for your press, and for uh, how many of y'all are expecting? How many of y'all are expecting? Come on, come on. Expectation. I am expecting. We're expecting God. Um, well, I want to thank you all just even for the, the gifts, the love, the words that were just even shared on the Sunday as well. Uh, uh, as I celebrated 42 years on yesterday. So that was a, a blessing. Uh, just uh, so, 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 so God, God is good. He is good. Yeah, yeah, 42. So that, that's right. Definitely still young. Young whippersnapper. <laughs> and then I just want to just bless God for God being God on this past Sunday as well. Uh, service was just like, my goodness. It was, it, was just, it was just phenomenal. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's so good where God just kind of shows up in a way where you can't really put it into words. And so the best way to describe it is like, man, what happened? And you just say God. God happened. And so that's, that's the way we like it. And, of course, we were worshiping in a new spot. And so, um, but, again, we are closer uh, to our next facility now than we've ever been. I say that with, with assurance and, and, and confidence uh, that, that we, we are so there. So um, it is all good. Things are progressing uh, very favorably. And so as, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as, as we can, we'll be able to share some more updates. I, I believe we're in a, at least a final leg of some things in, in regards to that. So we, we getting closer. It's, 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 it's just a process. You know, I, I knew I've, I've read and you kind of seen just how some stuff happens quickly. Some stuff just happens a little bit more, especially when God's favor. You know, we give, oh, that's a good word. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Give favor time. That's a good, I'm going to have to chew on that a little bit more myself, but I've just heard that. It's like give favor time. Oh, okay. That ain't even a message tonight, but it's a good little intro. Because then it goes back to Psalms where it says the set time of favor. So we want to make sure that we give favor time. So we don't want to rush it if favor's not there. We want favor to be able to be before us. That favor goes ahead of us first because you don't want to outpace favor. You don't want to out, <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want to outpace favor. Amen. So give favor, give favor time, time to work there. Amen. And so, of course, uh, just to kind of recap for those that weren't, I believe everybody was here on this past Sunday. Yeah, okay, good. So we're just going to jump right on in. We're going to continue on with identity uh, part two. We're going to continue on because, again, uh, we're, we're, we're moving into dominion, authority, and power. Somebody just say dap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're going to dap you up right there. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me some dap. And, of course, when we hear that terminology, you know, you can hear it in a couple of different ways. Of course, DAP, you think about DAP, that kind of putty, construction putty type thing. And then, of course, also you hear about DAP and giving a handshake. Uh, but dominion, authority, and power. But, again, I specifically, I, I have no doubts about this, that the Lord was like, before we move into identity, I just want to make sure that we just take some time, before we move into dominion, make sure we take some time to talk about identity. And so identity, understanding who we are and who he is, is key and is fundamental. And so uh, when we talk about identity, we always start with Genesis because that's where the origins is. 
You know, there's always an origin story whenever you're going through someone's, you're walking through somebody's life. It's always an origin story. Where did they come from? How did it begin? And so for us, of course, we were born in whichever year that we were born in, but our uh, creation begins in Genesis. And so it's always in the beginning. We don't originate with ourselves. <laughs> we don't originate with ourselves. We were thought of. That is so cool. We were thought of. We were planned for. And then we were created. So we were thought of, we were planned for, and then we were created. Even if some of you may have come as a surprise to your parents. Even if you weren't necessarily in their quote-unquote plans, you were still thought of in the mind of God. You were still planned for in the mind and ability of God, and then he created you. Thank you, Jesus. And so we're here now, and it's good. And so and this planned parenthood of the Father did not include an abortion in his plan. I'm going to say that again. It's a play on words, but it's powerful. This planned parenthood of the Father, God, did not include abortion of his plans in the creation of you. That ideology originates with the fallen one or Lucifer, or Satan, or, or, or the devil, if we want to uh, make it plain. So abortion, in that sense, you know, it's not in the plan of God here, because here's, here's why, and, and this statement is powerful. The enemy looks to abort identity because with each abortion, you'll find the absence of the reflection of God's image in the earth. I'll say that again. The enemy looks to abort identity. Whether in the natural of a physical being or in us or in spiritually as far as for our understanding and our awareness of identity. He looks to abort identity because with each abortion, you'll find the absence of the reflection of God's image in the earth. And so the enemy is he's not trying to see the glory of God anywhere in earth. Doesn't want to see that. It frustrates him. It bothers him. It reminds him of his downfall and his defeat. And so, again, we started in Genesis because true to form, your God-given championship nature and what you contend with is most often found in your Genesis. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. It's going to be a lot of heavy stuff tonight. I'm going to try to teach this and, and be light, but it's just we got something for everybody. Amen. <laughs> So your God-given championship, your God-given championship nature. So you have a God-given championship nature. It's innate. It's something that God gave you to be a champion because he wants you to look just like him or to be just like him. You're made up in that championship nature. So you have a God-given championship nature because you know what? All of us, whether you realize it or not, it was a fight for you to get here. You literally had to break through some things, didn't you? If we would describe the birth canal, you were breaking through some things to get here. So you were born a champion one way or another. Now, for me, I had some experiences afterwards where it was some challenges where I had to get, you know, long story short surgery, some, some additional things later on. But glory to God, fought through that here now. I don't even think I've ever shared that before. No, but you've got a championship nature because you've already broken through some things. And so your God-given championship nature and what you contend with is most often found in your genesis. And so think about it. The stuff that's great about you now and the stuff that's not so great about you right now, 
you'd find traces of it in your early childhood. More than likely, you'd find traces of some of the stuff that's great about you now. It, it showed up, I promise, that it showed up or there was a trace of it somewhere. Someone saw something about it when you were young. Some of you that might have personality that, that people are, that gravitate, to, gravitate towards. You, you, you probably had a cute little smile when you were a baby. Or maybe some other things where uh, you might find some stuff that's like, man, that you might have still been wrestling with having a certain attitude. I'm sure that you, that attitude was there when you were younger. It may have been in seed form, but it happened in the Genesis, so it all connected to I, I, identity there. And so I was given this great question, and uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll share it because, you know, Donovan, praise God, can we just give a shout, shout to God for Donovan? <laughs> He hit me up with this great question, and so I'm like, you know, I wanted to include this uh, tonight because uh, we were already dealing with identity. One thing that was so cool, he was like, yeah, you know, I'm just going back. I'm going to slow this down. I'm going back. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm going back looking over my notes from Sunday. That right there was just cool because we, we, we were listening to the message. I, 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 before I even get into this, the messages, I've, I guess a little transparency for a time period, I would never listen to the stuff that I would say. Because, you know, sometimes when you hear your own voice, it's like, eh. Sometimes, especially if you're like a singer or stuff, people are like, man, that song is so great. Just, and if you record it, it's like, I don't want to hear it. I want to hear myself talking, whatever the case may be. But now I've been listening to myself, realizing it's like, man, I ain't been talking. I have been talking, but I'm like, I'm so hearing God in the messages. Because sometimes when you're delivering the message, it's stuff that you don't plan to say. And you don't even remember what you said, so you got to go back and listen to it and be like, wow, that's good, God. So I get this uh, text, and so, you know, of course we talked about identity, and it was a quote that was shared as far as for, like, uh, everyone fails at being who they're supposed to be, but the, the, the meaning, the definition of, of being a hero and, and being is in being who you are. And so the great question that, that he said, and I jacked up that quote, but anyways... Is how do you figure out who God wants you to be? I'm like, that's a great question. Because how do you understand? Some people, and, and, and here is, here's the answer. Let me just go ahead and, and jump into it. And so I can't fully do it justice, but I will say that it does deserve a layered response. Because anything like that, just think about how big that question is. How do you figure out who God wants you to be? So I'm going to simplify it, and then, of course, we, you know, we, we, we talk offline, and it's questions that everybody has. It's always a pursuit, so that's, that's great. That's an excellent question, I must say. And so the best way and the simplest way for me to address it as we'll continue on, and, of course, this is dealing with identity, the two parts that I've noticed in that question is, one, it's asking who, and then it finishes with be. So a simplified version, the simplest way for who is this? Once you receive Christ, this is for how you figure out who God wants you to, who God wants. The simplest answer, once you receive Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, you are now the who. I'm going to say that again. Once you receive Christ into your life as Lord and Savior, you then become the who as far as for what God wants. 
Because Christ redeems us and restores us to that Genesis place of position of sonship with God. That's the simple answer. I mean, it's like, man, God, who do, you, who do you want me to be? Bottom line, like Christ. Now, here's the B part. B is simply through the process of discipleship of learning to be like Christ. And we get discipled directly by the Spirit of God. We get discipled, we get trained by the Word of God. And then we get discipled by other people. That's how we be, is through discipleship. Because Christian, the definition of Christian is to be like Christ. Now, our development in this discipleship gets tested by the Spirit of God. <laughs> it gets tested by the Word of God. And Lord knows it gets tested by people. In the church said... <laughs> Like Christ, if I could be like Christ, I want to be, I want to be like Christ. <laughs> Old school. Now, more often, the underlying question or follow-up to this question as far as for, uh, how, do you, how do we find this out, who God wants us to be? The another follow-up question is that, is what does God want me to do? <laughs> That's an immediate follow-up question. And it's just as ongoing as learning to, learning to be like Christ. Now, uh, this past Sunday, I talked about uh, the ID in, in, in regards to passport. And so that ID then that we talked about was Imago Dei, which is the Italian phrase meaning image of God. And y'all know that there's a true ID, the image of God, but y'all know that there's such thing in life called a fake ID. <laughs> there are fake IDs as well. And so what we, this ID that we want to be mindful of and be aware of is the infidel's deception. <laughs> you have the Imago Dei, the image of God, and then you have the infidel's deception. And so what the deception of the enemy is, is to have us wrestle with our own identity. Amongst many things, but what he does here is the deception of the enemy is to have us to wrestle with our own identity. Now, here's the key here, because it's like, what? What do you mean? Because if you spend years wrestling with yourself, you'll forego the opportunity to wrestle with God. Because when you wrestle with God, he's the one that will properly ID you. And you can find out, I believe that's probably in Genesis 32 where, he, where Jacob wrestled with God. But if you wrestle with yourself, you're just going to keep going around and just getting frustrated. It's like, man, I don't know. I'm just wrestling with myself. I'm just wrestling with myself. It's like, God, you know what? I need you to pin me down on some things here. And I'll say this. I don't believe personally um, identity is something that's to be overly complicated. I don't believe it's something that's to be overly complicated. You are who you are in him. One of the first things when, of course, going through that canal again, when you are born, you get labeled right away. It's a boy. It's a girl. It's not complicated. So you grow up understanding that fundamental purpose 
until someone comes along and introduces something else, and then you have gender confusion or identity issues, as they would say. And so that's the, that's, the, that's the fake ID, the infidel's deception. So again, identity is not something we kind of want to demystify because, man, you could, pers- pers- or I say all that to say this, no one should spend like 80 years, Lord, who am I? <laughs> and so it can get solved real quick um, by identifying who he is first. That's how people wander because they don't understand him. So Again, as a result of this, we understand that what you do is out of who you be. I think Pastor Chris kind of shared that when even talking about the I am. We do out of our being. We don't be out of our doing. So it's not like we're identified by our actions. We are who we are, and then our actions should follow course based upon that. Our actions should follow the course of what our character is. For example... I can sing, and people, um, some years ago, I'm not, I don't think of anything recently, but people, I was like, man, you know what, you need to do a singing album, and they wanted me to have, like, dancers and the whole nine. It's like, man, how come you don't have, like, a show of dancers and things of that nature? One, that's not me. I don't have dancers in the background and all that type, type of stuff. <laughs> right, I don't, I don't do all that. <laughs> Jeff doing all these moves. We, we. We're not coordinating and doing all that kind of stuff. That's, that's, that's not, but that's how people, that's what they're associating. If I would have run with that, I'd be like, man, well, that's who I need to be like because that's what's seen and that's what someone else saw. But I, because I can sing, and so people's like, well, man, because you can sing, you need to be like this. I remember uh, me and a friend of mine, you know, we were, uh, you know, we had a group not a singer, this was actually a rap group, but then, you know, someone had seen us do something. It was like, yeah, you know, they had an independent label. It's like, yeah, I want to sign you guys. So we had an opportunity to sit down and kind of figure out where this person was at, but then they wanted us to be something that was not who we were. It's like, man, that's not, that's not who we are. We don't roll like that, so we'll just stay independent. We're not going to sign that contract. We got the contract, looked over it, and be like, nah, this ain't it. There's too many concessions, too many compromises based upon who we are another to fit somebody else's vision. And if we weren't certain of that, we would have signed on the dotted line. Um, whatever we would have produced, we wouldn't have reaped the full benefits of that. But I say all that to say this, you know, I, I, there's a distinction. I can sing, but I wouldn't label myself as a singer. And I'll show the difference why. One thing is, I'm a worshiper that sings. There's a difference. I'm not a singer. I sing, but I'm a worshiper that sings. So the difference, the distinction, and I wrote this down because I just wanted to make sure, uh, because God explained this to me. Uh, When I sing, there's some things that happens. I didn't realize this till I started singing, and then when I'm just closing my eyes or sometimes even opening my eyes, the Lord starts to show me pictures and things that are like opening up in the heavenly realms. It's almost like I, in some moments I've seen, not physically, but I've seen pictures of angels being released and portals and stuff being opened uh, as, a result, as a result of singing. So when I do sing out of the place of worship, it's not for people. It's for him. So when I do sing, I'm literally, with the understanding now, it's like, God, 
release, open some things up that my voice is a voice activation of something being open to be released in this earth realm. But that happens because I understand that I'm a worshiper that sings. The difference is, is what's priority? What comes first? What comes first is the worshiping. Because on the other end, you can have people that sing and worship sometimes. So it doesn't invade. Worship isn't a part of their everyday life. They'll do a nice little gospel album. But then worship is not a part of their life. It's not, it's not a matter of fact, not a part. Worship isn't their life because worship is more than a song. So now my worship to the Lord sometimes get expressed publicly in a melodic form. But what comes first is worship. So what comes first that kind of sets the course of your identity. So people, uh, some, sometimes people wrestle with labels. You know, I've heard some people wrestle with the fact, it's like, well, man, I don't want to be a Christ, Christian hip-hop artist. I just want to be a hip-hop artist. And I'm not trying to be doctrinal about it, but I'm like, no, you know what? I'll take that label Christian because that just lets, that just lets people know what's first. It's a distinction. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. People get offended by it. That's fine. I, you know, whatever. But I'm a Christian first and foremost. I'm a Christian before my ethnicity. Thank God for the melanin and popping and all that. But first and foremost, <laughs> I'm a believer. I'm a son of God. I'm a disciple of Christ. That's what we got to understand and make sure that, that that's key. And that no other labels come before that. And so what God does for us to be able to understand that he reveals himself first. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all remember Popeye? Popeye used to sing this song. I am is what I am because I am what I am. I'm Popeye the sailor man. I was like, that brother had so much conviction. Where he sings a song that says, I am what I am because I am what I am. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm like, wow. Man, he was convinced, man, who are you? I am what I am. <laughs> well, who are you? I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. And so, look at that lighthearted, but I'm like, when you slow it down to think, I'm like, that brother had conviction. Well, no question, he was a cocky little somebody, too. <laughs> Had them little forearms of Sailor Man, Popeye on no joke, right? And don't let them get some spinach in them. <laughs> Pop open that can. <laughs> Pop open that can of spinach and it was on. <laughs> it was on and literally popping. And I think that was a sort of way of them trying to get kids to be able to eat spinach and whatnot and get, get their veggies. <laughs> But let's jump in this. Let's dig in this a little bit deeper. Exodus chapter 3. Let's go to this origin story here. There's going to be two people that we look at in, in, in Moses and, and Paul. Old Testament, New Testament. I'm going to read these two scriptures and then we'll unpack some things from, from there. So it'll be two passages that we look at. But Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. All that was intro. And then verse 10 through 14. So again, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, and then verse 10 through 14, and I'm going to read this from the New King James. And it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
and he led the flock to the back of the desert and, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. I will now turn aside and see this great sight. I will now turn aside and see this great sight. I'll come back to that later. While the bush was not burned. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he, God, said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And then I'm going to skip over to verse 10 because God started speaking to Moses about what he wanted him to do. Now, verse 10, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers who has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I don't know, does anyone else's Bible have this next phrase in all caps? Yeah, so mine has an all caps. I don't think God said this in a whisper. I believe that God said this as a definitive and a very bold and loud, earth-shattering way. I am who I am. Or other translations say, I am that I am. What a response. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What a name. So this was an introduction. It was a getting to know you. <laughs> Where this was this burning bush here. And so now, and then God shows up and says, I am who I am. Shows up that that is his name. Well, who is it that I'm supposed to say that is sending me to these people? Because you're telling me to go back to Egypt and talk to the children of Israel. And they don't know me. I've, I've been away for a minute. The last thing they knew me of as far as from my, my identity was someone that killed an Egyptian. And so, and so Moses says, who am I? The guy's like, no, we're not starting with you. We're starting with me first. <laughs> we'll get to you later. But let's talk about me first. And he says, I am that I am. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 10. We'll bridge this all together. <laughs> we actually played this game, I think, one time after service. <laughs> but somebody just say, moreover. <laughs> moreover is that revelation game. When somebody says something, get some revelation, some insight, someone else is able to come along and say, moreover, and continue on in that revelation, because revelation is to continue. So here we go right here, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, someone say moreover. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, 
by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then I'm going to go over because he talks about who Christ showed up to, who Christ appeared to. And then verse 9, uh, actually verse 8, then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. (laughs) And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached. And so you believed. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. We hear it here in Genesis, the Lord introduces himself and says, I am who I am. I am that I am. And then Paul says in the New Testament, Christ appeared to me also, and by his grace, I am what I am. We see this identity here. And so five principles I want to talk about for dominion identity because both Moses and Paul, if we look at it, were apostolic leaders. Speaking on behalf of God in foreign lands, and foreign governments, they weren't before people of no means. They spoke before people of influence. They were both apostolic. Two different people, two different eras, two different covenants, but the same God working his plan in both. The same God identified in both, and so this plan Jumped off in Genesis. So the first thing that we see, we'll we'll, we'll start, we'll we'll stay in 1 Corinthians here, but the first thing that we see is in verse 8. Then last of all, he was also seen by me as one born out of due time. First principle, as it pertains to dominion identity, you can't appear until Christ does. First principle, you can't appear, because we talked about um, matter of fact, we see it in, 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 with Moses. God appeared to Moses in a bush. God manifested to Moses in a bush and spoke. And so here we see here Paul was saying, it's like, look, because Paul got revelation after Christ had already resurrected. But Jesus showed up, showed up and, and encountered Paul in a strong way, knocked him off a horse, blinding him and everything. And so Paul was saying, like, look, after all that, after he appeared to everyone, he appeared to me also. So, but what we see here, you don't show up. Your identity isn't known until God shows up and reveals himself to you first. And it's always progressive. Because you'll get a handle of who, who God has revealed himself in this season, but it, it, keep, it, keep, it keeps growing. Because you, you keep changing and growing and developing. Amen. And so we talked about a couple of Wednesdays ago, expecting to manifest, expect manifestation of sonship. And y'all remember, we were given keys to tear the place down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, of course, because the earth is looking for you to appear to show up, but the principle means God has to show up first. So God answers your who am I question by stating who he is first. So whenever you say, God, who am I? He's going to respond by saying who he is first.
Because that's important because we always need to know who he is and to grasp who he is because we don't want to show up without him. (laughs) Can you imagine if Moses just went back to Egypt and just showed up and God wasn't with him? (laughs) Moses himself, he was like, look, I'm not going back there. I've been chilling in Midian for the past 40 years. I'm good. I'm straight. I got a beautiful wife. We, we're, we're good. Tending sheep of my father-in-law, I'm straight. And the Lord shows up in a bush. And Moses is like, man, what's going on? I ain't never seen a bush that's on fire that wasn't consumed. And then he said out loud, let me go see what's going on here. And God was like, ah, because I saw that, now I'm going to call him. Woo! Because he turned aside, stopped what he was doing to go see something. But again, you don't show up without God. wow that's like someone showing up to a party and everyone's supposed to bring something and then you just show up empty handed like hold up (laughs) I'm going to need you to turn around and go to the store you need to make a run (laughs) yeah you need to run that you ain't showing up empty handed you ain't showing up not bringing nothing is that real you ever have something like, yeah, we're going to get together, have a gathering or something, or we're going to watch the game, we're going to do something. Bing, bong, hey, what's going on? And you're looking down right at the hands. It's like, no, you're supposed to bring something. We've delegated what, what everyone's supposed to be bringing. Oh, I forgot. Okay, then you need to remember and go back. Because your assignment, your identity was to bring the drinks. We got you and drinks together. We got such and such and desserts together. We got such and such and meats together. We got, come on now. Yeah, it's an agreement. (laughs) You need to bring something, so don't show up without bringing what you're supposed to bring. Don't show up without bringing what you've been assigned to bring. Come on, somebody. So you've got something. You've got a gift. I'm not too far ahead of myself. Uh, okay, yeah, I think we're moving right along into this next point. <laughs> I know I'm preaching good. <laughs> she woke herself up. <laughs> and so, again, this is a principle. You can't appear until he does. If he doesn't speak, you have nothing to say unless you preface it by this. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just going to give you my opinion. I'm not saying this is a God said. If he don't move, you don't move. If he's not speaking, because someone, it was like, they were like, man, someone's like, man, Pastor Walt, what you you got to say? And I was like, "Ah." it's like, hold up. It's like, nah, I don't got a word. (laughs) So I'm like, I ain't just going to make nothing up either. I paused before, because sometimes you just want to say something good just to encourage somebody. And you can say something that's encouraging, but they were looking for something more. It's like, I ain't. It's like, nah, it's like, you know, he ain't giving me nothing right now. So I'm not just going to just say nothing. I I said this, I don't want to make nothing up. And they were like, okay, that's cool. I respect that. (laughs) Because I don't want to show up without him already being there. And so we want to make sure that God, God, you know, even as it pertains to this decision making, God, Lord, you go first. I'm going to take a step back. (laughs) 
You ever had those friends that's like, no, you do it. No, you do it. <laughs> With God, I'm like, all right, you go first. I'll follow. That's the people's like, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm like, what you doing in the driver's seat? He's a passenger? <laughs> That's an expression. Jesus, take the wheel, meaning Jesus, take control. If Jesus got to take the wheel, that means he ain't driving. <laughs> Come on. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so principle number one. For dominion identity, you can't appear until he does. You don't show up. You don't manifest until he does. Principle number two, you can't give what you haven't received. So that's number three. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that's number two, but go back to verse three. For Paul says this, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. It's subtle, but it's true. This past Sunday, uh, you know, I was privileged and honored to be able to give my father some challenge coins that I was given by a military chaplain that heard about my dad and said, hey, give these to him. And so I was able to shake my father's hand, but then on one coin in particular, I shook his hand with the coin in my hand and placed it in his hand. But I couldn't give that to him unless I had received it first. So Paul was saying this, it's like, look, a matter of fact, it was even in Acts, Peter and John, for the lame man at the gate, which we kind of, I think that was the impartation even from the Sunday, such as I have, because I didn't have any more coins to give, but such as I have was just imparting with the right hand and releasing and pulling the identity forth, the call forth for this season. And so... When God shows up, again, you can't give what you haven't received, but when God shows up, he comes with gifts. God comes bearing gifts. Thank you, Jesus. He comes, and one of the greatest gifts that he could ever give is his word. When he called Moses, he, gave, he called him through his word. This is, how, this is how powerful and how important the word of God is. The Bible says this. You can just jot it down. We won't turn there. But in Psalms chapter 138, verse 2, that David wrote, you have exalted your word above your name. Now, we know the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is this, that. But then it says that you've exalted your word above your name. Wow, what a wonderful gift. Here it says this. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, you don't have to turn there, but it says, the Lord says, my word shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I've sent it to do. Meaning that my word is a sign, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to finish what's been started. Amen. Come on. This is another thing about the gift of the word that we have is so important. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, that's Genesis. And, of course, that's just the start point because God was before the beginning. Well, what was before the beginning? God. 
He just always was. And then here's another thing that's important about the word and the gift that we have in the word. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away before my words. The word, the word, the word, the word, the best thing that you can ever give anybody is the word. That's why some people, even on Sunday, it was like, man, you know, I can't give you a financial gift. Great, but I can give you a word. I can hold on to that. Thank God for the financial seeds. That's, that's good. But the, the word is so much better. Because the word can produce even more. Thank God for the word. Come on. So Moses couldn't give the message of deliverance until he received from God what to say. So God says this. It's like, hey, you know, I'm calling you. I'm, I want you to do this, but this is what you're going to say to the people. And then Paul said this. He's like, look, I preach to you what, what I received, the gospel that I have received. So make sure, and this is something that we want to press into, make sure you get a word from the Lord. Make sure that you have God's voice, God's backing, that you have some type of conviction of what God says before making any major decision. Now, I'm not talking about you have to get and stand still and be like, Lord, what do you want me to put on today? What clothes? What outfit? God, tell me. doesn't have to be that, that, that deep. I mean, he, we're made in his image and his likeness. Lord's like, make a decision. <laughs> You're like me. I don't have to get involved in something like that. You can, I can help if you really need me to help you. Because he will talk. He's like, okay, put this together, put that together. <laughs> but I'm saying, you don't have to get stuck for like an hour. Like, man, what do I need to wear? And you're just staring at your closet like. <sighs> and I'll say this. If you're just staring at your closet, then praise God, because that means you got options. Because if you don't got options, you, you don't got a whole lot of time to waste. You're like, boop, <laughs> boop. And then you just roll it out. <laughs> Talking about, I don't have nothing to wear. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you just might not like it or you might be tired of it or maybe you want something different, but you got something to wear. Some of y'all got boxes of shoes right now. There's tons of clothes. <laughs> tons of clothes. <laughs> but make sure you have a word from the Lord about decisions, about uh, things that you make, because sometimes you've you got to make weighty decisions and, and controversial and decisions that others might not understand, but if you got a word, you got a word. And so here's the thing. You can't be the message and you can't give a message to others until it's solidified in you. You can't be a message and you can't give the message to someone else because you got to be the message before you give the message. So you can't do either of those until it's actually solidified in you. And so we see that with Moses. Moses is like, well, look, give me a sign. And then you see there uh, is in Exodus 4, the Lord's like, well, what's that in your hand? Moses is like, it's a rod. <laughs> so again, that's number two. You can't give what you haven't received. Number three, 
You are what you are as defined by the grace on your life. Spend a little bit more time with this. As a matter of fact, it's four principles, not five. <laughs> so the first one was you can't appear until he does. The second one, you can't give what you haven't received. The third one, you are what you are or who you are as defined by the grace on your life. Your identity is connected to your grace. I guess that's another way to say it. Your grace, and of course, this is the grace that God gives you. Your grace erases your mistakes and marks you with mission. The grace that God gives you, I'll explain that because grace, if we look at it in a simple form, is the divine ability to be and do according to the will of the Father. So grace is just simply God's enablement, his ability for you to be able to be and to do. Because you can't be without his grace and you can't do without his grace. You can't be who he wants you to be without grace and you can't do. You know, you can't be a good husband. You can't be a good mother. You can't be a good wife without the grace of God. Not his definition of good. So it's like, God, I need your grace to help me be a good boss, a good employee, a good whatever, a good neighbor. So the grace that's on your life erases your mistakes, and then it marks you. It erases your mistakes. So you don't have to go around thinking that your mistakes are permanent. It's pencil. So when grace comes along, it's like, and then it begins to write in ink what God has already established. So your grace erases your mistakes and marks you with mission. Now here along the lines of that, as far as for your identity, your grace, what you have is administered differently from other people. We're looking at individuals in this room tonight. So your ability and effectiveness and how God ministers through you is and should be different from others. Like me, teaching and speaking and preaching is going to be different from how my wife would do it. And guess what? It's okay. She can stand confidently, boldly in the grace that's upon her life and her identity. It's different. Thank God for different. So how, some, so how someone else ministers or preaches or serves is going to be different from other based upon the grace and their experiences and what God is doing in their life. Same spirit, different administration. It's still God, but it's different, and it's great. Like, I, like when I sang, to God be the glory, it was different from the way Elder K. Anderson sang it. When she sang it, I was like, Lord Jesus. It's just different. It's, it's, it was, it's different. Still God, still worship, but it's different. Amen. So Peter was different from James, who was different from Paul. When we look at Paul, Paul was a scholar. 
But it wasn't until his conversion of meeting Jesus and being encountered by Jesus that the fullness of his purpose was revealed. So some people are, are walking in certain elements, but the fullness of it isn't, re- isn't revealed until you encounter Jesus. Until he's first. Who you are, you're walking around with a veil until he shows up. That's why you see some people that don't, aren't, aren't even Christians, they got a level of talent. It's like, man, it seems like they're doing it. But the fullness of it, to where it's beneficial and pleasing unto God, doesn't happen until he shows up and removes the veil. Only Jesus removes the veil. <laughs> I see right now, just even as an example, in this room tonight, you know, there's a certain area where we have corporate prayer, and it's, in a sense, it's curtains, so it's a veil. Tonight, we notice, oh, man, there's a new veil. But it still doesn't mean that it's lifted. What some people walk around with is just a new veil, still no presence. God's still not seen. They, they just changed the veil. <laughs> God still has to show up first. So people that, that are at, and again, I, not that I can fully judge their heart, but people that are at award shows and, and cussed and shot everybody in their songs and then says, and get awards, I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank God, I'd like to thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, no, you just changed veils for that occasion. His presence in your life, it still hasn't been lifted. He still hasn't been revealed to you. People show up on church and they just change veils. They're still not exposed before the Lord. God knows my heart. Yeah, he really does. (laughs) The Bible talks about our heart. It's it's wicked. (laughs) Till he gets up in there. And so when Jesus, again, I'll continue on and then I'll stop with that thought. Jesus tore the veil at his crucifixion. The veil that was on the temple torn from the top. Well, he didn't tear it directly, but it was torn from the top bottom. <laughs> top down, I should say. So again, going all back to that. So Paul, he was, he was a scholar, but it, his full purpose wasn't revealed until he met Jesus. Moses was a deliverer, but we saw how he tried to deliver people before he encountered God. He killed somebody, murdered them. It's murder. <laughs> 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 it was outside of the identity. So he walked in an element of being a deliverer, but it wasn't redeemed yet because God didn't show up first. Yes. Moses showed up. It's like, oh, I'm going to do something. Stop abusing the people of God. <laughs> Killed a man. Thinking around, he's good. And then try to stop somebody, stop some Egyptians. Like, no, stop abusing people. And it's like, hold up. The people that was being abused by the Egyptians... Like, bam, getting beat. It's like, hold on, hold on. Moses, why are you trying to break this up? Didn't you just kill an Egyptian? Everybody stopped. It's like, yeah, wait a second. And Moses was like, oh, I ain't known somebody new. Took off. Then God had to encounter him. And God had to deal with him about all the type of stuff. Get his identity straight. <laughs> so again, Paul was a scholar. But that scholarship wasn't used until it was, 
used properly until it was redeemed. It was abusive. Here's another thing. Paul also had dual citizenship. You can read about it in Acts chapter 22. But Paul was a Jew, but then he was also a Roman citizen by birth. And that wound up being a big deal because he wound up preaching the gospel. And so he was preaching the gospel and then getting abused and locked up. And they was like, man, can you do this to a Roman citizen? And then the soldiers, they were like, whoa. It's like, we don't do this to our own. I didn't, I, I didn't know, shh, don't tell nobody. He was like, no, I am going to tell somebody. You ain't doing right. So now God uses his dual citizenship to provide access. Something that was given him by birth. Tied in. Let's look at apostolic Moses. Had dual citizenship. Raised up in Egypt. Went back. So God can use some, some dual nationality. God can use some of that, man, because he wants you to be a blessing to the people that you come from. The nation that you come from. I love it. We don't have people that were just born in the United States that were here. We have a, a, a mix. We have people that, that, that grew up in different ethnicities, different cultures. So God uses that. So in other words, some stuff that we have from birth, God will use to get us into new territories. Some things that you've just been gifted with, God, God used. Now, here's one of the things. Let me break this down here, and I'm going to uh, speed this up. How to distinguish grace that's on your life. I'm not going to be real deep on this because I believe that we'll have, we kind of got some things kind of laid out. So I believe that we'll be dealing with grace uh, a couple of months from now to where we can go in depth for this. <clears throat> But just in a simple way, simple way, because uh, God will redeem some of the stuff. And what I'm mean redeemed means that stuff that's already there, but once you're saved, he uses it for his glory. Some giftings, talents, abilities, inclinations, things that you like to do, he'll take that and use it for his glory. So some of the things that are now covered under grace is almost innate. It's almost something that's like, man, people will look at some of the stuff that you do. It's like, well, man, how did you get so good at doing that? Or how come you're so good? It's like... Man, it's always just kind of just been there. And so God uses that as, 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 as a grace. And then here's the thing about it. This is the stuff that you know is grace because it seems simple for you. That's part of that divine ability, that, that enablement. And so for me, when I recognize that I've been graced with words as a kid, I didn't have time to look for it. But it was recognized as an elementary school teacher. The teacher identified it as far as for just an ability for me to be able to write. It was either second or third grade. Put me in this competition for us to be able to write a story. I believe I showed this book, and so it was me and this other kid, Andy. We were the two kids that actually won the competition. And what you had and what wound up happening as a result was they took your story that you wrote, that I wrote down in pencil, and they put it in a little binder. So now it's this little soft felt binder, and the name of my story was called The Big Grouch. I still have it to this day, and so, it, wow, now that I think about it, it was a superhero story then. 
And so as this big grouch was this monster, then this little kid comes along and takes an arrow and shoots it and, and beats the big grouch and then takes the... Man, this was almost like a David story. Takes the giant's, takes the grouch's sword and chops his head off. And so they put that story in a binder, right? Eight years old. <laughs> Eight years old. And I drew a little picture of it, too. So uh, did I show that to my girls? Yeah, yeah. So, so they saw it. And then later afterwards, I wrote like a big grouch, too. Later on, there was some extra pages that I just wrote, wrote, wrote in there. But it was innate, not realizing that I was born with the name Sir Walter Scott, not knowing that he was a writer. I didn't find that out until years later. And then getting lovingly encouraged by Elder Debbie this past Sunday. She's like, you need to write. <laughs> you need to write those books. And I heard her, but I heard the Lord because I was like, man, you know what? Because wealth is going to be in your words. So something that seems innate, but because it's a grace on it. But then I realized it was there from the beginning before I got here. I was given the name of a writer before I even knew who I was. You are Sir Walter Scott. I didn't know nothing about nothing. None of us knew about ourselves when we were born. Someone identified us, and then we had to grow into. So that's one thing that helps. God uses himself first, uses his word, and then uses other people to help identify. Because one thing I'll echo that apostle says, you cannot know yourself by yourself. Isn't it so interesting how I'm looking right now, and I got two eyes, and guess what I can't see? My face. If I would have never seen a mirror, I would not know what I look like. <laughs> Until there was a reflection, you wouldn't know. So God uses all of this to help us in, in our identity. And then so some of the stuff that you can follow, well, God, who is it that you call him to be? You know what? Some stuff is already there, been there the whole time. God, give me a sign. How am I know, knowing that you're with me? Moses, what's in your hand? A rod, a staff. Okay, take that. What? I, I've already used this. I use this a 10 sheet. Yeah, give me, give me that. Throw that down. Moses throws down the staff, turns it to a snake. The Bible says this, Moses fled from it. So maybe you've been running from what you've already had the whole time. Can I camp out there just for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you've been running from what you've had the whole time. It's like, ah! I'll talk about me for a moment. I don't like doing this. I really don't, but God just does it. I went to school for communications. So communicating with people is something that not only is a gift, but I've been educated in it. I know how the world does and how they manipulate messaging. I know what they do. I was educated in it. But then when the Lord's like, look, because now with YouTube and podcasts and things of that nature and all this kind of craziness goes on, he's like, man, I need you to jump back in there. 
I'm like, I don't want no parts of it. It's like, man, it's work. It's tiring. Oh, my gosh. Man, and then if you do stuff on YouTube, people leave comments. I don't want to deal with all that kind of stuff. He's like, man, but you think about stuff in the negative. It's like, but what about the blessing it could be on other people? Don't just take what you have, throw it down, and then just run, run away from it. I don't want it. This is what some people have to remove, and I'll say this if it applies to you here, but definitely that we have this recorded. We just have to remove this idea and this thought, this thinking, I just want to be a regular Christian. There is no such thing as a regular Christian. There is no such thing as a regular Christian because being like Christ is not normal. It's not regular. He's supernatural. Now, unless you're saying that, then you're just saying, look, I don't want to do nothing. Then that goes to dominion identity principle number four. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And this is that verse, still same chapter, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly. Or some other translation says this, I outworked the rest. But not I, but the grace that was in me was doing the work. So in other words, part of our identity, our grace has to work. Meaning that the people of God, we cannot, laziness should not be a part of our identity. Laziness is a part of our identity. Paul worked hard. And you can read scripture. Paul was all over the place. If you were ever to look at maps or maybe even, no, I'll say this. If you ever find a Bible that has pages and maps and some of those Bibles, they have uh, journeys of the Roman Empire and it says Paul's journey. You see all the different places that he went to? And he was at work. Ephesus, Corinth, Galatia, Rome. He was all over the place. So grace is not a cop-out for apathy. Ah, uh, you know, I'm just going to let grace do it. Oh, got work. I'll finish with this thought. Grace is employed by vision. <laughs> Meaning that when you have vision, that allows your grace to go to work. <laughs> and then when you're fully aware of the grace that you work, it allows the grace of other people to help you. If you're not working in your grace, it's going to be difficult for you to receive of the grace of other people. <laughs> this is some serious stuff. <laughs> it's some serious stuff. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this tonight because this can't be like, Preaching, ah, no, 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 there's some little, there's some, there's some serious stuff. <laughs> when you're in your grace, when you're working and allowing this grace to be able to work, because here's the thing, it still does require your effort. It's by grace, but it still means that you got some, you have a part to play. That's what I'm saying. Moses couldn't be chilling in Midian and be like, yeah, God, you got it. Paul couldn't be like, yeah, man, it's going to be great for this gospel to be, to be spread to the Greeks. The Lord's like, no, you need to go. 
I sent grace because grace has the scent. It's, it's meant to be sent. It's meant to be spread about. Grace is not standstill. It's not stagnant. It's, it's, there's movement. <laughs> so again, without a vision, people perish, but so does the grace needed to accomplish the vision. Wow. Okay. So without a vision, people perish because the grace that you have to accomplish that vision, if you're not employing it, then the people will perish because you're not using your grace to accomplish that vision so people perish. So the beautiful thing is this grace works in church and out of church. It can be developed and recognized in church, trained, developed. We serve here, then we serve outside of church as well. Glory to God. <laughs> i hold off on that next part. So just a couple of things I want to be able to pray tonight. I know it was, it was, it was a lot. So I implore you to go back and listen, <laughs> listen to this, because tonight was teaching, teaching. But we can stand. <laughs> and if we could just lift up our hands right now, I'm just trying to figure out how to, if this just needs to be prayed or even decreed. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I guess I kind of just say it. So maybe it's a prayer decree. I'm not even worried about how to label it right now. Um, but God, I thank you, Lord, that even tonight, Lord, that um, just like Moses, that we'll turn aside. And so with that, I'm just decreeing and declaring just an, an, an encounter right now that gets your full attention. Yeah. That God, that God will uh, have something uh, that will get your full attention. We'll be like, oh, my gosh, let me pay attention and let me listen to what God is saying, that God will speak to you and call you um, at another level or just even give you even more clarity in that moment directly. Because God can get your attention. He can get your attention directly. So, Father, I just speak that right now in the name of Jesus for encounters, God, for all of us, Father, that get our attention, for you to be able to speak to us and call us with clarity uh, as far as for that which you would have us to be and do in this season. We thank you for it, Father. And, okay, so now just say this. Say, God, you have my full attention. You can just let them know. Just say, Lord, I turn to you. You have my full attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing that I pray and declare right now, according to Exodus 4, that you will see what's in your hand. You will see what's already there. And that you won't run from it anymore. <laughs> so, okay, thank you, Holy Ghost. So now just say this. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus... I thank you for causing me to see 
what's already in my hand. God, and I will not turn or run from it. I will take it up and go and be the deliverer and be the answer that you've called me to be. Thank you for the awareness of it, the recognition, and the confidence in your call. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Keep them hands up. We got a couple more just declaration prayers. That was a strong one right there. <laughs> that was a strong one right there. We got to take that thing back up. Take it up. Take it up. Don't look at it with normal eyes anymore because sometimes you gloss over it. Well, it's always been there. Don't take it casually. It's been there because he put it there. All right, this next part is that, I, that I'm going to pray. You, you don't have to repeat right now, but I just pray and speak right now that you're going to be able to go to work. But that the grace that's on your life outworks even those, uh, that it just outworks, that, that there's no, it's not a trace of laziness. And it's like, well, man, how am I going to do this? Easy. Grace. <laughs> so, God, I just speak right now, God, that even now that uh, you just lovingly just demonstrating just how to rest in the grace, God, that you've given them. And that you just begin to show, because, again, we'll minister on this some more. Um, but, God, that you, you just begin to just even to teach right now just one-on-one just how to work grace in this season. God, that we work grace in this season, that we employ grace in this season. So you could just say this right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I invite your grace that you've given to me. I take possession of it. I take ownership of my grace. And I say, grace, let's go to work. Grace. You first, <laughs> in Jesus' name, come on. And then the last thing I just prayed, that God's word would literally brand your heart. And branding is something that takes place with fire, and it marks, and it identifies. That's one thing that they do with uh, possession, that they identify, uh, for example, not saying that you're a cow, but they brand cows to let people know, hey, these are my cows. So God is just branding your heart right now, that God will brand your heart with fire, with his word, with his marking, with his identity, to let the, so that way you are so convinced of who you are called to be. And I'm talking about that he just like straight up, I'm talking about bigger than a tattoo because they can remove tattoos now surgically with light, but that he brands you because one thing that cannot be removed is a brand. God, so just brand our hearts, God. As a matter of fact, you could just make that prayer right now and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, brand my heart with your purpose. Brand my heart with your fire. Brand my heart with your passion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, just encourage somebody. Say, walk in your dominion identity. <laughs> yeah, turn to someone else. Walk in your dominion identity. Come on. <laughs>